Welcome to the Access Patchogue podcast, where everything we do revolves around Jesus. Thank you for joining us, and please enjoy the following message. Do I have any talented people in this room today? Any talented people? Any gifted people in this room today? Amen. Any, any, hey, come on, raise your hand. If you're gifted, if you're talented, if you've been blessed with a talent, a gift of some sort, or with everybody in this room I know has some sort of talent. I want to talk to you today on the level of talent. Can you say amen? All right. So it says in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse number 17 through 23, I'm going to read it in your hearing. If you don't have your Bible, go on and look up on the screen behind me, and here's what the word of the Lord says. Verse 17 says, so Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. Well. Who plays what? Well. Okay. 18 says, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. Uh-oh. He is a brave man. Look at this. He doesn't only know how to play an instrument, but he has a heart of bravery. And he is a warrior. I think it's safe to say this was a multi-talented, multi-faceted individual. Amen. He speaks well. Ooh. He could talk too. He got brains and a fine-looking man, young ladies. He's coming your way soon. But remember, he's got to find you. You don't find him. Okay. And the Lord is with him on top of that. He's saved, ladies. He a saved man. Look good, talk good, smell good, play good, and he good. 19 says, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep, however. Okay. He's also humble. That's a good one. He's a keeper. So Jesse took a donkey. Notice it didn't say the cult. <laughs> Notice it didn't say the horse. It didn't say the stallion. Notice it didn't, it didn't say the Benz or the Bentley. He didn't pull out that. He pulled out the donkey. Because where this donkey is headed is to the sheep yard, gifted and all, but is never too proud to ride on a donkey. This reminds me of someone who died for our sins, who, anyway, loaded with bread, <laughs> a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Um, I love this because when it says entered his service, it means that David just walked on the stage and just began to play. He didn't ask for permission. He already got the permission. But when, when the time is right, he took the stand and activated the talent and the gift that God had given them and began to play skillfully under the anointing. And the scripture says Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers. I thought I was going to be your musician. No, no. Armor bearer. You see the situation here. Gifted for something but yet called to a different task. Because before God can allow you to work and operate in a certain level, he's got to test you on this level. Mm -hmm. It says that he became an armor bearer. 22 says, then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service. I want to pay for him. I want him to become uh, not just part-time or per diem. He has now become a full-time employee at the palace. For I am pleased with him. 
I want to ask you a question. Is God pleased with you in your service and in your utilization of gift? 23 says, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, it says David would take up his lyre. Uh-oh, here it is. Gifted people are able to operate and function well in an area when they see a need. Jesus was not able to heal people just because he was able to do so. The scripture says he did so by being moved by compassion. So when he looked on the people, he saw a need. And when he saw the need, his gift enhanced. But you have to be able to have the insight in the eyes to be able to see the need. Everybody say, see the need, see the need. Look at your neighbor and say, do you see my needs? Do you see my needs? Then relief would come on to Saul. I love this. He played so well, he sued the savage beast that was tormenting his leader. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Y'all like that? Go with me to Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 14. I'll read this real quick. No more commentating. Let's get into this word. Verse number 14 of Matthew 25 says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his what? Ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gain five bags more, 17. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Look at that. But the man who had received one bag went off, uh-oh, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's what? Happiness. Love that. Says, the man with two bags of gold also came master, he said. You entrusted me with two bags of gold. I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Uh-oh, verse 24. Then a man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Look what the scripture says. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. That just makes sense. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown or and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will, what does it say? Where there will be weeping. And there will be gnashing 
of teeth. Father, use me for your glory to proclaim your word with boldness and confidence. Send your anointing that makes preaching easy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor very quickly, I'm born to win. Tell them, tell them say, I'm born to win. Tell them, tell them. Look at somebody else on the other side, tell them I'm born to win. Tell them I'm born to win. Look at somebody else and tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, I, I know you like looking good and it's all about you sometimes, but I, and born to win. Come on, say it, shout it. I'm born to win. Psalms 139 tells us that in God, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe, my friends, that when we were made, according to uh, Genesis 127, God made us in his image and in his likeness, and the scripture tells us when God made us, he made us good. And a part of what God did by making us involved an endowment, a full stocking, my friends, of talents. Everyone say talents. Talents, talents. And these talents that I'm speaking of, my friends, are unique. They are irrevocable. They are irreplaceable. They're long-lasting, yet not always permanent. But yet the talent, my friends, regardless of its expiration date, is no less a talent. Everyone say talent. The Webster's uh, Dictionary, according to Miriam's Webster's Dictionary, it tells us that a talent is a characteristic feature. It tells us that it's an aptitude. It's a disposition of a person. It's the natural endowment of a person. Often it is discovered as an incredible artistic or athletic ability, a creative aptitude by which people are able to just do incredible, amazing things without even trying. It is a general intelligence, come on, it is a, it's a mental power, it's a way by which people are able to communicate without even working hard. People can go to school and not have what you have. It's, it's something that is deeply instilled within the fiber of your DNA. You were made to do this. When Christ made you, he cut you from a certain type of fabric, a certain type of tapestry by which you are able to function on this level without even having gone to college. Is this making sense to anyone in here? I want this to resonate with you because I need you to understand that everyone in this room is born with a talent. However, what I want you to realize and what I've realized within my 32 years of leaving that people can be extremely talented and yet extremely lazy at the same time, my God. Just because you are talented, my friends, does not excuse you from the fact that talent needs development. There's a commonly sports term or sports quote rather that is often used that says, hard work beats talent. Y'all know this, when talent refuses to work hard. And what I believe this quote is saying to us is even the most talented people must earn what they want by working hard. Even the scripture tells us, my friends, that faith without what? Without works is dead. And I believe that this is something that we must constantly consider. And I've come to the conclusion that many people refuse to work hard, Aunt Lizzie, not because they are simply just lazy, but I truly believe that people do not work hard due to the fear of failure. People simply don't want to work hard for something and in return not see the results of what they worked hard for. It's called the fear of failure, my friends, and the fear of failure 
will cripple inventions, creative dreams, goals, aspirations, and even the hidden talent, the hidden gifts of what lies beneath. Touch yourself and say, what lies beneath? However, what I want you to realize, my friends, is anytime you commit yourself to something and work hard at it, you need to understand. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you very clearly? Listen, failure is inevitable. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, failure is, yes, inevitable. But failure, my friends, is never meant to stop you. Failure is meant to teach you a valuable lesson. Failure should never define you. Oh no. Failure should always refine you. Failure, my friends, makes you a better person. How many of you know that? It makes you a better person. It teaches you about a few things about yourself. It teaches you a valuable lesson about your resolve and your ability to be able to take a licking and just keep right on ticking. Failure, my friends, does not mean you can't do it. Failure just teaches you what not to do. There was a man by the name of Thomas Edison. Anybody ever hear of this man? Thomas Edison, he was formerly known as the creative inventor of the light bulb. And Thomas Edison was criticized by school teachers, not by his fellow students, but by school teachers to be too stupid to learn anything. My friends, these were the exact words, my God, that came out of the mouths of his teachers. It is said that Thomas Edison, his first two jobs he was laid off from because his employers thought he was too uninspiring and unproductive. And even the young inventor Thomas Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts. I want to say that again. 1,000 unsuccessful attempts in inventing the light bulb. It wasn't until the attempt of 1,001 that Thomas Edison finally got it and was able to become the official inventor of the light bulb. When a reporter asked him how he felt about failing a thousand times, listen to this. Thomas Edison says and replies, I did not fail a thousand times. Rather, the light bulb took a thousand attempts. It required a thousand steps. I think, friends, it is very important for us to understand that things will never devastate us when we fail as long as we have a clear and a godly perspective and outlook on how failure actually truly molds us. My friends, failure should never break you. As a matter of fact, failure should make you. Failure makes you a better person. Is this making sense? Failure makes you a better mom. It makes you a better dad. It makes you a better individual altogether. Failure has the ability of pushing the potential that is inside of you to come X-word. Come on. It brings it out of you. It, it, it oozes from your heart. But if you did not know what it meant to fail, the Bible says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Everybody say failure, failure. There are some people in here that feel as though failure, in fact, is a setback. But my friends, I come to bear some good news for you. Failure is actually a setup. Come on, somebody. Failure is God's ability to set you up for the greatest blessing that you have ever experienced in your life. But you will never know what it is that Christ has for your life until you have failed. As a matter of fact, the scripture declares that if we do not suffer with him. We cannot reign with him. Everybody say failure, failure, failure. I think it's safe to say that although many of us in this room are born with a talent, none of us will ever be exempt from failure during the process. Which brings me to my next point. In this process, you have got to learn to trust Jesus all the way. 
because failure can be undaunting. It can be quite intimidating. It can, it can put you at a place where at which you feel as though you have not just failed, but you are the failure. Christ always wants us to understand that our eyes must be affixed and always uh, placed on him. Otherwise, we will fail and ultimately allow the failure to mold us and to shape us. Failure was never meant to shape you. Failure was always meant to be the launching pad of glory by which Christ wants to elevate you and get you to a place at which he wants to bring you. And this is why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. So then, so then talent, everyone say talent. Talent then, my friends, it reaches beyond just the uh, place of ability but talent begins to tap into, is everybody listening to this very close? I need you to understand, you are talented. Talented does not just reach uh, within the confines of ability, but talent reaches far beyond ability and begins to tap into a certain level of accountability and responsibility. And these two words, accountability and responsibility, are very important to talented people in here. Any, any, any talented people in here, just raise your hand. Any talented people in here, I need you to know that Every person in this room is talented, but you need to understand two things. Number one, account, and number two, respond. My friends, every last one of us in here have been given by God a certain type of talent account. I want you to see it as if it was something like a bank account. And the only way to build up the equity in our talent account is based upon how often we exercise the talent. There's two things that I need you to understand as a talented individual. Number one, if you refuse to work your talent, your talent will refuse to work for you. So God, help us in here. I'm going to say that again. If you refuse to work your talent, tell your neighbor, if you refuse to work your talent, you got to know this. If you refuse to work your talent, your talent will refuse to work for you. Number two, here's number two. Number two, if you refuse to invest in your talent, come on church, if you refuse to invest time into your talent, what makes you think and why should you feel someone should invest into you? See, at the end of the day, God is always testing the heart of talented people to see if they are ever going to see the potential, the winner, the champion that is on the inside of them. Sometimes, as David said, you have got to get good at encouraging yourself. Not everybody is going to pat you on the back, come on church. Not everybody is going to say, go ahead brother, go ahead sister. Not everybody is in your corner. You have got to understand that there is a such thing as haters. People that don't want to see you succeed. People that don't want to see you win. But how many of you realize haters aren't even that much important? You shouldn't even pay most, most attention to uh, the haters. You don't even need to focus on the haters. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to waste your God-given talent and your time on people that do not like what God is doing in your life. If they never are your friend, if they never friend request you, if they never follow you on Instagram, if they never say hi, you have got to just keep on working that talent. I wish I could encourage the church in here today that you are just way too talented and too God-given to allow people to stunt or stifle your joy and your growth. Everybody say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
I believe that there is a certain level of joy that comes with operating in your talent because you are doing something that Christ has put in your spirit. And there is no greater joy than knowing that you are doing what God gave you to do. Everybody say talent, talent, talent. Talent, my friends, leads me to my next point, requires stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. And I need you to understand what stewardship is. Stewardship is the proper management and care of what God gave you. Say it again. Stewardship is the proper management and care of what God gave you. What many people don't understand and don't realize is uh, King David was a multifaceted, multi-talented musician. And the scripture tells us that David was a skillful musician. Anybody ever hear a skillful music like a Ben Tankard? My God. A Byron Preston. Uh, a Veronica Vera. Jesus. A Michael Watkins. How about some talented singers out there? Anybody got a, got a Kim Burrell in their spirit? Anybody got a, a Albertina Walker? Uh, you know, Mahalia Jackson. Come on, church, talk back to me. Uh, anybody know any awesome poets? Maya Angelou and, uh, you know, Winston Marsalis, who played the trumpet. My God, we are surrounded by talented people. But you have got to understand, if you never pick up a microphone, if you never stand on this altar, if you never stand on this pulpit, you need to understand that you are talented. You were heavily gifted by God with something since you were a baby. You were born out of the womb of potential. The mere fact that you're here sitting in this room says that you are a miracle. Do you know that childbirth is a miracle? Do you know all of the many multitudes of things that could have went wrong? The complications, and some of you are still here in spite of the complications that happened with your birth. Some of you don't even know your mom. You don't know your dad. You were adopted. You were brought into the family. But how many of you realize that all of us in here were adopted to Jesus Christ. We didn't know who he was. We didn't know what he was about. As a matter of fact, we were on a road to sin and death, but Jesus Christ came over 2,000 years ago and saw you and I in our bloody state, in our mess, in our muck, in our miry, and Jesus came and died on that cross, and in death, he gave us life. Uh, uh, David played multiple uh, instruments, my friends. I want you to understand this. How many of you know David played the harp? He was very creative. He played the harp. The harp is one of the hardest instruments you will ever learn to play. But he also played something called the lyre. And the lyre, my friends, was a stringed instrument, something similar to a guitar. And when David would play the lyre, he would not just play it with his fingers but he would also use an instrument, something similar to a pick, and he would begin to make a sound that was pleasing in the sight of God, but was also soothing to the ears of his leader. In addition to this, David was a psalmist. And if you don't know what psalmist means, it just simply means that he was a songwriter. David was not just fine. He didn't just walk with the Lord. He wasn't just a shepherd boy, but this man was a skillful musician who took the time to perfect his craft. The scripture tells us that the psalmist David was able to write songs before the Lord. How many of you know some of the songs that you hear today in gospel music? You would not be able to hear it had it not been for King David taking out time in the presence of the Lord, soaking in God's presence, basking in God's presence, getting things and sounds from heaven and creating them unto the glory of God. 
The scripture says that the psalmist wrote these songs and I would even begin to believe that if he wrote the songs, perhaps he was even able, mom, to sing the songs. So he was a musician, he was a player, uh, he played instruments, but he also was able to sing and write songs and tunes and all cliff notes and all sorts of abstract sounds would come into him. And he was able to take the abstract and make it clear. I'm here to let somebody know in here, whether you're a musician or not, some of you have the ability to take abstract things and make it concrete. Some of you are great administrators, Lord Jesus. Some of you are great individuals when it comes to problem-solving and task-oriented individuals. Do I have any people like that in here? You can look at the face of adversity and just be able to deal with things and matriculate it and understand it and put it together. You have an innate ability to look at something that most people, they see a mess, but you see the masterpiece. God has given you a talent to look at something from the eyes and from the scope of glory and be able to tell something when most people can't tell it. When people see destruction, and devastation, you are the only individual in the room that sees destiny and purpose. My God. As a matter of fact, there are some people in here that are so talented that when you look in the mirror, in spite of how you look, you still see God's glory on you. You still see the purpose of God on you. And I'm here to let some of you know that those of you that are parents, God has given you a talent to parent your children. How many of you know that? Because your children don't always respond the way that you want them to. They don't always behave the way that you want them to. They don't always do the things that you want them to. But in spite of all of that mess, you still see the masterpiece. You still see the young master. You still see the queen, the princess, the prince inside of your children. I'm here to let you know, parents, you have a talent. And that talent, my friends, often inspires something called vision. Sight beyond sight. Sight beyond what you can see. You have the ability to look inside of things and still see that some, there's some life in there. My friends, I'm here to let you know that aside of the talents that have been God given to us since birth, there is a second birth that we experience. Are you ready to hear this? The second birth. Everybody say the second birth. In the second birth, after the first, you are given a gift. You're born with a talent. But the second birth gives you a gift. Whether you knew Jesus or not, you got to understand this. Whether you ever said yes to Christ or not, you have been given a talent. That is something that you are just born with. It comes in your DNA. But when you say yes to Jesus, oh church in here, Christ then takes your talent he breathes on it, my God, and he creates something called a gift. And when you take out time to cultivate and develop and train your gift, watch this, he then breathes on you the third time and makes something called the calling. Listen to me very clearly, church. You have got to understand that your walk with Christ requires progressions and scales and processes by which you must undergo. You have 
got to experience Christ on a level of progress and development. Not everything is going to develop overnight like your talent. Not everything is engulfed and deeply entrenched within your DNA and within the makeup of your ability. You have got to understand that there are some things in life that we have got to take out time and develop with God. Is this making sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not afraid of development. I'm not afraid of development. There are two things that I need you to understand. That David's gift, the Bible tells us clearly. Did we not read it? That David, he did what? He walked with the Lord. David knew who God was. He was talented, but he was also gifted. And the scripture tells us that as a result of his time taken, to cultivate his gift. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you gotta cultivate it. You got to cultivate your gift. There are some of you in here, I don't wanna call you out, and I probably don't even know who you are, but you are sitting on your gift. I think if there's anything, mom, that hurts Christ's heart so much is that he has heavily stocked you with a gift and you are sitting on it. I need everybody to know in here that once you become born again, how many of you in here are born again? How many of you said yes to Jesus? How many of you said yes to Jesus? You accept Christ into your heart. I need you to understand that every single last one of you that said yes to Jesus, every one of you in here are given a talent, but every one of you that said yes to Jesus and became born again and have experienced the second birth have been given gifts. It's your responsibility, however, to seek out the gift. This is why the scripture says, seek while he may be found and call upon his name while he is not yet near. Not just for what you want, but for what he wants. He has gifted you so that his will and so that his glory and so that his purpose can be seen through your life. Everybody say it's called a gift. David experienced two things, and I'm about to close here, as a result of his gift. Number one, his gift opened tremendous doors for him. David was able to operate in the most amazing places. Here's what I want you to understand, however. You ready, Nathaniel? His gift didn't lead him to the worship temple. His gift led him to the king's palace. His gift didn't lead him to the worship temple. This is for the religious folks because you just want to be gifted to be up here on this stage, but I'm here to let you know that there is a gift by which it gives you the ability to infiltrate administration, to infiltrate conglomerate areas, to infiltrate businesses, to infiltrate uh, non-for-profit organizations, to infiltrate five, Fortune 500 companies. I am telling you right now, there are some people in here that are gifted with the ability to just simply lead management. Maybe your gift. Supervising may be your gift. And where David's gift took him was to a place that most people want to go. The apostle John was led beyond the church. He was led to an island called what? Patmos. Even Jesus' cousin John the Baptist was led beyond the church. He was led to a place called where? The wilderness. Jesus, one of the most gifted, talented individuals that have ever walked the face of the earth, was led beyond the worship temple. Where was he led? The wilderness. 
and so many other areas beyond just the scope of the church. I'm here to let you know that if you ever want to be gifted, you have got to understand it does more for you to understand it. It's not just about being gifted in the church. Christ wants your gift to reach beyond these four walls. I know this. And I want to remind you to know this as well. The scripture tells us to go into the what? Highways and the hedges and compel the lost to come. Jesus even came to seek and save the lost. This is not the time to focus on just what's going on in the church, but what's going on outside of the church where 1,200 lunches yesterday were served, where 900 people, 950 people were reached for Jesus, nine salvations, nine salvations came to Jesus, 48 people were prayed for, come on church, uh, 600 groceries were given out. This was the church being gifted outside of the four walls. Is this making sense? Christ has always called us outside of the four walls of the church. Here's my last point that I want to make to you. You have got to understand that there are seven ways for us to be able to understand. Number one, your gift is not your job. Your gift is a what? Is a privilege. It is an honor. And anytime Christ has gifted you, he has gifted you not for yourself, but he has gifted you for someone else. Your gift, I'm going to say it again, is not your what? Is not your job. Number two, your gift is unoptional. There are some people in here, and, and I know I'm speaking to real true gifted individuals because the most gifted individuals don't want the gift. Lord. The most individuals in, uh, that are gifted in here, they'd rather not have the gift. Am I talking to anybody in here? You don't want to be in front. <laughs> you don't want to be the person who's selected. You don't want to be the person who raises it. You don't want to be the person with the microphone. You don't want to be the person reaching and touching. You don't want to be that individual. Most people that are gifted are the individuals that are the most humble. And yes, there are some individuals that are gifted that are lacking humility, but I'm here to let you know, to have confidence that if you are going to function in your gift, you have got to get beyond yourself and start tapping into humility because it's humility that Christ likes to use. It's humility that can be molded and shaped in the hands of Jesus. It's humility that can truly be lifting up the name of Jesus. As we decrease, look, Christ must increase. Everybody say humility. Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, are you humble? Are you humble? Unoptional. It is unoptional. Uh, number two, your job is optional. How many of you know that? Some of us are literally praying that God send us the right job. Anybody ever pray like that? I want to inspire you to enhance your prayer. Some of us are so focused on the choosing and not so much on the using. Oh, hear me. 
We are asking God, Lord, send me the right job. Give me the right job. What job should it be? I need you to know it's not about God choosing the right job for you. Just ask that his will be done in your life. And you choose. But what you do need him to use you on is the level of using you at your job. That you are not just there to collect a paycheck. You're not just there to fulfill a nine or five job. You are there to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Come on, church. You are there to be a minister to the hurt, to the wounded, to the weak, to your employers, come on, to your supervisors, to your managers. You are there to be an example. Stop focusing on the choosing and focus more on the using. Number three, we got to get through this all too often. All too often. We are waiting to make the right moves and put out the right demos and hand out the right CDs. But we don't realize that your gift will make room for you. Jesus, how many of you know that? You don't even have to have gone through the proper levels to get to where you are. As long as you have a humble, submitted heart to the authority and to the power of Jesus Christ, your gift will literally open up doors for you that your hand can. Oh my God. Your gift will literally put your, your name in the ears of magistrates and leaders and presidents and, and CEOs and pastors and elders. You do not even need to say anything. There are some times that I have walked through doors and people just said, God bless you, man of God. How are you doing today? People have just pulled and rolled out the red carpet for me. They don't even know who I am. Why? Because my gift is making room for me. And how many of you realize that your gift is something that you wear? It's like a uniform. It's an outfit that you put on every single day. And no one can wear that outfit or function on that level the way that you do because it is something that Christ has sovereignly given to you to operate and function in with excellence. Here's what I want you to understand. David was able to make a godly impression on the men that were in the palace, including Saul, not because of the words that he said, but by the way he managed his gift. Jesus. The way he managed his gift, hear me church, the way he managed his gift exuded a level of godly excellence. The way he managed his gift is what presented a godly standard in the workplace, Jesus. And what I'm trying to simply say is, is that it's not just about you sharing your faith with someone, it's you actually walking and living the life before people that makes them say, what is it about you? No, 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 listen to me. It's not because you are always singing worship songs and hymns and you carry a cross on your neck. It's simply because you are always on time. Jesus, Jesus, you are always on time. You are punctual, you are prompt, you are always professional. You always handle everyone with a godly standard, with a level of excellence. Now, what is it about you? I am so glad you asked. It's the God in me. It, oh God, come on church. It's the God in me. It's the power of Jesus on my life. It's because he requires me to live a life of excellence that I do what I do and I present this standard even in the workplace. See, what I'm finding is that many people, they function well in church, but the moment they leave, oh Lord Jesus, the moment they leave the four walls of this church, they don't know how to say hi to nobody, they're not nice, you cut people off, you're nasty in the grocery store, come on church, it is about time for 
doors to stop playing games and dolly and lily gagging around and start being consistent and faithful over a few things that it make us ruler <laughs> over many. Your job may offer you opportunities of advancement, number four. But I need everybody in here. Who wants a promotion on their job? One person, two, many people. God bless you. You want a promotion on your job? You ready? You want it? Yeah? You want it? Yeah? Work your worth. Maybe they didn't see me. Hear me out, Lizzie. Can, can you hear me? Work your worth. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, work your worth. Whatever you feel you're worthy of. Oh, Jesus, I feel this word in here. You better work that thing, baby. When you walk in that door, have your heels on, have your tie on, young man. Do your hair, get that shape up. Come on, put your fine church clothes on. I don't care if you gotta wear it the next day. Yes, you wear it on church on Sunday. Wear it on Monday for that interview. The oil of the Lord is in those slacks. Come on, somebody. The oil of the Lord is in those pants. It's in that shirt. And when you walk into the room, your room, oh God, the gift is going to make you. I feel something is about to shift in this room. I need you to give your neighbor a high five and tell them, my gift is about to make room for me. I'm about to walk through doors that I can only have dreamed of. I'm about to get calls from people that only other folks got a call from. I'm about to walk into situations that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and it has not entered it has not entered but I'm about to enter y'all better hear me in here because when the floodgates open up y'all better hear me in here I'm about to walk through every door that Christ has designed for my life and it's not because I'm so anointed it's because I understand that this thing took some time some development but now it's time Turn to your neighbor and say, it's my time. It's my time. It's my time. I'm about to start working my job and being on time. Y'all better hear me in here. I am telling you right now, some of your employers are just waiting for you to show up consistently on time for a good solid month and there's a promotion. So you thinking you're just gonna sit here and name it and claim it. Oh, no, 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 baby, it don't work. Turn your name, it don't work that way, it don't work that way. You lazy, you, 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 just, you just don't know that this works a lot differently than you thought. You have got to work your worth. If you want that thing, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffered violent, but the violent takes it Y'all hearing me in here by force. There are some things you just have got to take by force. That means you have got to be aggressively friendly. You've got to open up the door for some people and stop being all bougie and waiting for people to open a door for you. And when you open the door for them, put a smile on that face. And when they open a door for you, just say thank you. Somebody say that man is talking truth in here. You better understand. It takes more than just sitting here looking cute. They don't understand Hakamashanda. Take that and put it in your pocket. When you leave the church, when you leave the, uh, the job, take it out and go on in into that. But while you're in there, they waiting to see how you're gonna do what they told. How well do you take instructions? God, somebody's getting some help in here. Today. I'm telling you right now, 
You are just one discipline away. Y'all hear me in here. I didn't say one word away. I didn't say one praise away. I didn't say one clap away. I said you are one discipline away from your next level of glory that Christ is. But he's going to trust you on this level before he brings you to that level. Do I have a church talking to me in here? Who is ready to stand up and be a man, be a woman, be somebody about your business? This is my gift and God gave me the right to work it. Don't you get in my lane. Don't you get in my way. Just because I showed up with a tie on don't mean you get to make fun of me. I'm taking this seriously and apparently you aren't. I wish I could get a church to shout hallelujah in here. Uh, uh, all right. Look, number five, you can be extremely gifted. Because this is for the anointed folks. Mom, there are some people that are among us that are just so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good. You are not so anointed that you can't work a job. Jesus, no, 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 the Bible told me Jesus paid it all. You sitting here with your bills unpaid, your credit score is at like five, you can't get a car. Y'all, 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 see, 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 now you don't want to like me no more because I'm just telling the truth. Can I just tell the truth to the church? It is about time that we get our act together and start being the Christian, the child of God that he called us to be. I would like it to be one day that the bank comes to me for a loan. Wanted to be that the town of Brookhaven come to me saying, Pastor, we need some of your volunteers because we sent somebody to your church incognito and they came and they were sitting around just listening and they saw these people inviting and greeting with smiles on their faces, with, with, with good smelling on their body, with good strong firm handshakes and a hallelujah in their spirit. We want your people. I wish I could get the church to get with me on this one. It is about time that the world start reaching to the church, start reaching to the Christians. If we are who we say we are, greater is he that's within me uh, than he that's within the world. I wish I had somebody that had the greater on the inside to open up that sanctified mouth and shout. Sit down, you're making me nervous. Sit down, making me nervous. You're never too anointed to work a front desk position. What's wrong with you? You want to be my secretary, but you don't want to be no one else's. I know this is a church and it just brings you an air of hope, but go in and take care of your babies and pay them bills. Church says amen. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean you don't need a job. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus does not pay bills. What you talking about, Pastor? Jesus and my man, he pay all my bills. He pay all them, all them bills. No, he don't. No, he don't. 
See, you don't realize, you don't realize that when the disciples came to Jesus after being pressed and being, um, 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 in, in a way, scrutinized to pay their taxes, to pay their taxes, the Bible says the disciples ran to Jesus and it was like, Jesus, they want money from us. Now, whether you knew this or not, the disciples were very wealthy. Well, yes, they were. They just didn't know where to put their money. They had the resources, but they didn't know how to use it. Because they thought they were too anointed that they didn't have to fulfill a life responsibility. Jesus says, listen, I'm gonna help you out real quick. Since you came to me about it, I'm gonna help you, but you're still gonna have to pay it. So, I want you to go to Pathmark. Wrong one, not around anymore. I want you to go to Walmart, and I want you to get a cashier job. Can you do that for me? Oh, no, 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 no. These hands are too anointed to touch groceries. <laughs> Christ sitting there looking at us like, you done? You are never too anointed. You are never too gifted to say that you don't get a job. Here's what I will tell you. If you stay faithful over that job at Walmart, you hairdresser, you basketball player, you world champion, you, 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 uh, you entertainer, you, you spoken worder, if there was such a thing, you musician, you skillful harp player. If you just stay, stay faithful over that Walmart job, collecting $10 an hour, and you just stay committed to what Christ gave you, your gift is going to make room for you, and Steven Spielberg is about to be the one you ring up. And you just made a mistake humming Jesus. You just made a mistake speaking your words and doing your gift while you was working this little minuscule job. Let them walk through the door now and hear what... Ah! I heard you singing. You're not hearing me in here. I heard you praying. I heard you doing your little words. Would you like to come on? My gift just made room for me. Bam. Somebody's getting this in here. And number seven, this is it. Just because you have a regular job, are y'all getting this? If you're getting this, respond with a praise. Okay, just because you have a regular job, you ready? Does not disqualify you from operating an incredible gift. Regular job, David the shepherd boy, no less he was gifted. While he was committed and faithful to his job, I'm telling you right now, people in this room, they're about to go out and get a job. Some of y'all, uh, can I tell them the truth? Can I tell them the truth? All right. Some of y'all have been holding back from getting a job because you thought it was underneath you. I'm too good for that type of job. Well, be careful. Shepherd boy. 
you're about to get a call from the king. Jesus. Because the shepherd boy was faithful over someone else's sheep. Can, all right, I got my ass to step down now. Look, look, look. And this is where we're done. Look, you have to, got to understand. You ready to hear this? Sometimes God will even test your ability to manage your own on how well you manage someone else's. Oh, God. David didn't even take care of his own sheep. Those was his dad's sheep. Y'all not hearing me in here. But because he polished them well, Jesus, because he cut their wool well, because he turned them over and cut the nails of their hooves, because he fed them well, because he led them well. Come on, somebody. Because he was a good shepherd to someone else's sheep. God said, now I'm going to give you your own. 